Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our city campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation, and our world. In all of that, there's some big vision. There's some big numbers and some big vision, but I think that we can have hope and have uh, you know, a sense of security in the great vision that we have for the next seven years because we serve a faithful God. And we have seen over the years that God has been incredibly faithful to us. And when we look back at the faithfulness of God, we find security as we move forward. We found a, a news article that goes right back to when Gateway Baptist Church was planted. And as we look back, this is a news article, we can see the way in which God has been at work through the story of Gateway that gives us confidence and I think gives us a bit of a picture of where we are going into the future. This is a really cool article. So this comes from the Sunday Mail on Sunday, the 16th of December, 1928. That's a long time ago. And I just want to read some of this news article uh, that celebrates the planting of a new church. Uh, We read, New Church, Holland Park, Baptist Congregation. Great Great enthusiasm marked the opening of the new Baptist church at Holland Park on Saturday afternoon. It was a new church plant, a new Baptist church down at Holland Park. And it was a little building, the little 30 foot by 18 foot building capable of seating more than 100 persons being filled to overflowing. And you think our building's small. Think of a, of a building that's 18 feet wide by 30 feet long. I don't think they would have got 100 people in in COVID times. But anyway, introduced by the Reverend E.V. Keith, who will have charge of the new church, Mr. Edward Keith, who rode his bike down Logan Road, Uh, Reverend A.G. Weller, OBE, President of the Baptist Union of Queensland. We hit pause there because you know who the current President of the Baptist Union of Queensland is? Well, it's, it's Jason. Jason is the, well, they don't call him the president now. They call him the, the director of movement, for the, which, which sounds a little funny, I know. But he's the, he's the, he is the director of movement for the Baptist Union of Queensland. You see that Reverend A.G. Weller has an OBE. He's got the order of the British Empire. And I know for a fact that Jason Ellsmore wouldn't mind also getting a few letters after his name or maybe even a sir in front of his name. I'm not quite sure how long you have to be the president for, but we'll see how we go with Jason. Let's keep reading. Who performed the opening ceremony, congratulated the congregation on the excellent site chosen for the building that stated that he, and stated that he felt sure that this was to be the seedling from which would spring a much larger and more pretentious church. (laughs) Let me hit pause there for a moment. I want to pick up on something that actually is important before I get to the other thing that I think we need to dismiss. Firstly, it would be the seedling from which would spring a much larger church. You know, I think that was a prophetic word. You know, a seed is really small, isn't it? It gets placed into foreign ground, but with seeding and with sun, it begins to grow. See, a seed may be small, but in it, can, there is a lot of power, a lot of potency, a lot of potential. You know, when uh, Reverend A.G. Weller 
spoke over that tiny little church in Holland Park. I'm not even sure he had in his mind or, uh, or Reverend Keith had in his mind that 100 years later or 93 years later here in the city of Brisbane, one of five campuses of Gateway Baptist Church would be meeting, reaching out into the city of Brisbane, that it would be a church of thousands scattered around Brisbane. See, a seed has great potency and power. And I think that was a prophetic word, a prophetic word for the church. Clearly it has been so. But I don't just want to leave it there. You know, some of you are part of the seed that was planted here in this church two and a half years ago. You know, some of you came on the journey and we've got a whole bunch of you who, who have come since then. And I believe that God is also and has planted a seed in the city of Brisbane. And my prayer is that we'll take hold here and that in years to come, generations to come, they will look back and they will celebrate the story of Gateway and they will celebrate the story of faithfulness and the obedience of people who have come and were willing to be a seed in the city of Brisbane, to be a blessing to the city of Brisbane, to reach out and make a difference. But as we reach out, as we are a seed, let's not be pretentious. Now, I, ha I have no idea what he was thinking when he said that, we, that, that, that this church was to be a much larger pretentious church. Someone this morning suggested that maybe they meant portentous, and I don't even know what that means, so I've got to do some research. But I know that pretentious means pretending to being someone or something that you're not. Can I just say, let's not be that church. Don't come in here pretending someone that you're not. And if you're visiting for the first time, please know that we don't aim to be a pretentious church. Let's keep reading. The gathering after the doors had been ceremoniously thrown wide moved into the church where the service was conducted. I just want to hit pause there as well. Now, maybe you heard Jono say tonight, you know, we say regularly here at Gateway, every person who comes through our doors is welcome. I want to say to you tonight, you are welcome. It is great to have you here. It has been a great joy to see, even over the last 10 years, to see more and more doors open at Gateway. Doors at Ormo and Logan and Redlands here in the city. We've opened up care centres. We've opened up a, a rescue and training centre in Cambodia called Bloom, opening the doors up to those who are deeply affected broken from sex trafficking. You know, we have continued to open doors and we will continue to open doors to see people come in and experience the love and the grace of Jesus. I love this whole ceremoniously throwing wide open the doors. And then Mr. Weller spoke. He said he took, uh, who took on the subject of his address, shining and serving. And I'm gonna use those two words to shape my message tonight. Mr. Keith pointed out that the building had been erected largely by volunteer labour from a number of churches in the area, as we keep reading, but the progress made by the voluntary workers, many of whom had made great sacrifices to assist in the work. Let me keep reading down and preparing for the Christmas festivities. And then we read, and it had been purchased this is the property on Yuletide Street being purchased for the rather large sum of 250 pounds. 
You know, what we see here is that there are a whole bunch of committed people believing that God had called them to plant a church and they're willing to sacrifice their time and sacrifice their money. And I'm so thankful for so many people who are part of this community, this congregation, who sacrifice their time every week in different ways and who sacrifice their money. It was a, a significant amount of money, a rather large sum of 250 pounds, obviously worth a lot more, worth more in today's um, money. We continue to read as we go down. Finally, and you'll be glad to read this, Reverend B. Hewison, Mr. A. E. Bickmore, and others also deliver short addresses. And I am going to attempt to give you a short address tonight. Let's see how we go. You know, there's a whole bunch of things that have changed since 1928. In 93 years, there's a whole bunch changed. You know, Reverend Edward Keith rode his bike down Logan Road to plant a church. You know, I don't think that we'd ride our bike, maybe we would in the city to ride it, but we're more likely to ride our electric scooter down Elizabeth Street to plant a church here. You know, I'm sure that the building there at Utah Street looked very different to the one here, even though it was built around the same time. I'm sure there was no LED screen or technology. I'm sure that they were wearing things that were very different. You know, things have changed since 1928. But there are a whole bunch of things that remain the same. The message of Jesus Christ remains the same. And the mission that we are called into remains the same. We are all called. We are all sent. God has sent every one of us. We are a sent people. We're a sent people. As I said before, a whole bunch of you were part of the team that came and planted here. We were sent into the city to bring the good news of Jesus. We are sent and firstly, we are sent to shine a light of love, shine a light on the love of God in our city. We are sent to shine a light on the love of God in the city of Brisbane. In Matthew chapter 22, Jesus is asked, what's the great commandment? commandment? If you were to summarise the law, if you were to boil everything down, Jesus, what's, what's the thing? What's the most important thing? And in Matthew 22, we read Jesus' response to that question. I reckon a whole bunch of you know it's known as the great commandment. Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Or I would like to say too, and the second comes from the first. Love your neighbour as yourself. Jesus firstly says, love God. Love God. And the thing is when we love someone, if we love God, if we love anybody, then it ultimately, it inevitably works its way out. We can't help but express our love. When Jesus says we are to love God, there's got to be a physical manifestation. It's got to be seen. It's got to be revealed. That's just normal. That's natural. It's inevitable. It will be revealed. You know, I remember when I met Megan, how I fell in love with her pretty quickly. 
And it was obvious. I remember the first time I met Megan, I was, we were invited out. I know you've probably heard the story before. We, a mutual friend invited us to go to Les Mis in the West End in London. And, uh, and so we went along and I sat there and I had absolutely no idea what was going on. I mean, they were singing. And I thought I was going to see some show where they talk and I just was lost. I had, you know, I, I was getting so distracted. But the thing that was most distracting was there was this beautiful woman just a few seats away. I was trying to think of all these ways that I could get her attention to show that I was interested and everything seemed to fail. Even when we walked out the door at the end and it was typically raining in London and Megan had an umbrella and I said, would you like me to hold it for you? True story. She would argue that I just held the umbrella over my head and not hers. That is not true. But when we got to the train station undercover, I then broke her umbrella. She still hasn't forgotten me, forgiven me. You know, umbrellas just hard, aren't they? You know, I just want, I think I did it the wrong way and it went that way. I don't know. Yeah, anyway, either way, I broke it and she wasn't happy. Not a good start. So I had to try and find other ways to express and show my interest and my love to her. You know, Megan really loved basketball. She was a, she was a very good basketball player growing up. And, and so I would actually go and play one-on-one basketball with her or play in a group. And every time I'd let her win, I mean, this was, this was the kind of love that I, I wanted to express to me. It's like, I'm going to let you. Okay, let's be, let's be honest. She's a way better basketball player than me. I remember as, as things got a little more serious and there were other guys starting to show interest in Megan as well, all of a sudden I was, I was washing those dishes twice. I was, I was vacuuming the floor. I was, I was doing anything and everything I could to express and show my love. You know, the times change. We ended up getting married 12 years ago today. And whilst things look a little different, you know, we've got four kids now, life is very different. I still look to express ways and to communicate my love to Megan. You know, when you love somebody, it works its way out, it's expressed. You know, for us as a church, what does it look like to express our love for God? You know, firstly, my heart for this church is that we would express our love through passionate, joyful praise and surrendered worship. And I just love being in this space before as we were singing out and, 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 and worshipping God. You know, as we express our love for God, it works its way out with our words and with our posture. We know that to be true in, in relationship and it's the same with our relationship with God. You know, singing and worship is, isn't just warming up for the next part of the service. When we sing, when we worship, we're actually saying, God, we love you. God, we're putting you at the centre again, even though throughout the week there are so many other things that are trying to pull us away, pull our loves away. We gather back together and when we worship, when we come before Him, we're saying, God, afresh and anew, you are the most important thing to me. You're the most important thing to us. God, we love you. As I often quote C.S. Lewis, his commentary on the Psalms says, it's in the act of being worshipped that God chooses to communicate Himself to us. There is a gift in worship that when we orient our hearts and our lives and our loves to God, God reveals himself in beautiful ways. More and more, I want that to be a mark of our church, exhibiting and showing our love. Another way is through prayer, through intimacy and prayer. In a couple of weeks' time, we're starting our 21 days of prayer and fasting, kicking off on the 27th of February. 
Every year we do this and it, it, they are special times as we prepare our hearts, as we humble our hearts, as we fast and hunger after God. We long for his presence. We want to be with him. We want to express our love for him. We want to know him in new ways. Let me encourage you to be praying and thinking about how you can engage in that season of prayer and fasting. I keep talking about it. I keep inviting you to our morning prayer, 7 to 7.30 on Zoom. I know it's a terrible time for many of you, but there's no good time. They are rich times when we meet Monday to Friday in the morning. So we gather and we sit in the Psalms and again, we pray for people. We pray for the church. we, We come before God. How can God grow your intimacy in prayer this year? And here's the thing. As Jesus says, as he talks about this great commandment to love God, there is an inevitability then that we will then love others also. See, when we, when we come close to God, we will inevitably find ourselves drawing near, drawing close to those who are in need, those who need love. We are called to love others to shine a light in the darkest places. It's interesting that there was a word given in that, in, that, in that sermon, shine, to shine and to serve. And that word has been a word on the church. In 1993, uh, Gateway, as it was then now called, or at the beginning when it was called, it moved from Holland Park to Mansfield, to Mansfield State High Hall, and then across to Mackenzie. Built a big building. Uh, I'm sure many of you have been there. As they were building it, they had a prophetic word that this church, Gateway Baptist Church, would be a light to the city, to the nation, and to the nations of the world. It's a very clear prophetic word that was given to the church at that point. And then for us, as we planted ourselves in the city, as we were praying in prayer meetings, gathering together before we planted, there was a very clear sense, a very clear word that was given to us that God gave us that we as a church here in Elizabeth Street, tucked away here in the CBD, that we would be a lighthouse that would shine out to those who are in darkness, to those who are needing salvation, to those who are needing hope and healing, that this church, Gateway City Campus, would be a lighthouse. God has called us to shine a light on the love of God into our city. That is what we are sent to do. That is what God has called us to do. We are sent to bring light, to shine God's light to the alleyways and hallways where rough sleepers try to keep comfortable and warm. We've been sent to bring the light of God to the lonely apartment blocks filled with students who've come from all over the world. We've been called to shine God's light to the hurting who are desperately needing the hope of Jesus Christ, to shine a light to the families who are struggling to keep life together, to shine a light to the anxious who are trying to keep it together in a time of great uncertainty. God has called us to shine His light into the darkest places of our city. We are called to shine. We are called to shine. We are sent to shine the love of God in our city and we are sent to serve God's purposes in our generation. A few chapters later on in Matthew, Matthew 28, after Jesus had been brutally crucified but three days raised to life again, 
He's with his disciples. He'd spent some time with his disciples saying, hey, it's me. It's me. The kingdom of God is alive and you are part of it. And they, they do the journey and then he takes them up to the Mount of Olives and then he gives them their final instructions. Like these are the most important words, the last thing that Jesus says on this earth before he ascends to heaven. And we read in Matthew 28 these words. I'm going to be reading from verse 16. He says, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, with you always to the very end of the age. Here we have what we know as the Great Commission. We've got the great commandment and the great commission. Jesus is sending out his disciples. He's sending out us into the world to go and make disciples. And I think that our mission statement as a church here at Gateway seeks to reflect the great commission. I don't know if you caught it before, but our mission statement as a church is leading people to become fully devoted followers of Jesus, leading people to become fully devoted followers of Jesus. Every one of us is invited into the commission to go and to make disciples, to lead people into a loving relationship with the Savior of the world, the one who brings light and love, who changes and transforms lives. But I want to encourage you with something. You might be sitting here going, well, that's great for you, Andrew, but not me. Like, I'm only, I'm not sure I can do that. It's really interesting in verse 17, we read that some of the disciples doubted him. Like they doubted. You know, the, the 11 that Jesus has, you know, as he gathers them up on the mountain, some of them, even though they'd spent three years with him, they'd walked alongside him, they'd seen all the miracles that had been formed, all the amazing teaching, they'd seen him die and raised to life again. They're still standing there looking at Jesus going, I'm not sure, I'm not sure. And Jesus says, that's okay, I'm still sending you out. Sometimes we live with doubt. Sometimes we're not sure about what's going on with our faith. Sometimes we're not sure whether we've got enough faith. Sometimes we're not sure if we're good enough. We live with a whole bunch of doubts, but Jesus still says, that's okay, just go, be obedient. And these scared, unsure 11 were obedient and went out. And if you know the story, they were obedient to the commission. They waited for the Holy Spirit 50 days later, the Spirit of God comes upon them. They're filled with the Spirit and they are sent out. And they go and they begin this mission of making disciples right where they are. They're baptising people. They see the church grow and then they go far beyond. They go out planting churches and the world is changed forever. These doubting, scared disciples see the power of God at work in their life as they're obedient to him. Just ordinary people, ordinary people filled with God's Holy Spirit going and doing extraordinary things. You know, every one of us 
We're ordinary, but filled with the Holy Spirit, filled with the fire in our heart, we can do extraordinary. We can see extraordinary things take place in our midst. God uses ordinary people. Used Edwin Keith, who got on a bike and saw, had a, a vision in his heart, started a Sunday, Sunday school with just eight kids and saw it grow to 60 and then inevitably, ultimately became a church, just an ordinary person, obedient to God. We've seen it throughout the story of Gateway. You know, I think of someone like Rob. Rob, who was a refrigeration mechanic, who heard the call of God. I remember going to church. I was in, his, in the, uh, the youth, the young adults with Rob over at Gateway Mackenzie many years ago. God called Rob, a refrigeration mechanic, but he had a heart to go and, and teach the gospel and, and shine a light to people who hadn't heard the good news of Jesus. Rob and his wife Liz are now working on the border of Burma, sharing the good news of Jesus and making disciples. You heard their story over Christmas if you're part of our Christmas season. I think of someone like Ryan. Ryan, who had a heart to be a pilot, and when he was a teenager, had an encounter with God, became a Christian and decided to use his skills as a pilot for God's kingdom. And Ryan, along with his wife Anna, are now over in East Africa. And God is using him to fly medical supplies and equipment all around East Africa to some of the poorest, most broken places and villages in Africa. He's, he's, he's moving Bible, translation, Bible translators and other people to serve and love that part, that region of Africa. And I think of Ruth, Ruth who was a travel agent whose heart was distressed and broken as she saw the pain of young women in Cambodia, Cambodia stolen and taken into sex trafficking. She wanted to do something about it. And so she went over there and started to teach girls how to make sugar flowers and help them rebuild and make a new life with Jesus. It's ordinary people. Ordinary people who are filled with the Holy Spirit and a heart and a passion have gone on to do extraordinary things. So we're all ordinary people, but God wants to use every one of us. We all have a part to play in fulfilling the Great Commission. Thing is, you don't have to go overseas. You don't have to go overseas to fulfill your part, your role, play your part in bringing the kingdom of God to earth. Edwin Keith just rode a bike down Logan Road with a passion in his heart. Now I celebrate the fact here at City that there is a whole bunch of people who have a passion in their heart and are pursuing the call of God on their life. I'm so thankful for Hannah and the way in which God has called her with a love for Generations Ministry and is blessing our kids and the kids. We had so many kids here this morning learning, being taught about the good news of Jesus. I'm so thankful for Hannah and her team wearing those green shirts that Shannon's wearing right there who come on Sunday mornings to serve and love and influence and impact the next generation. So thankful for our youth team who come on a Friday night with Hannah and serve and invest in the next generation who are work, working and walking through some difficult things in our culture. I'm so thankful that there are people in this church who are playing their part 
to see the kingdom of God come. I'm so thankful for our life group leaders, particularly through this pandemic, who have loved and served and cared for our community. I'm so thankful for our care team, amazing people who have invested, in, particularly in Thursday mornings, and if you don't know, early every Thursday morning, we have a team that goes out onto the streets and hands out water and, and drinks and bananas and breakfast and warm clothes to those who are sleeping rough. Every Thursday, we connect with 50 to 100 people on the streets. We're getting known. We're building relationships. We're loving and caring. And then we invite them back and we give them a warm meal here on the property every Thursday. If you want to play your part, you are more than welcome to, to find out more about that. I'm so thankful to the people who sacrificially give, ordinary people playing their role in seeing the kingdom of God touching people's lives. I'm so thankful for our growing students team, for Taylor and Hope and others and seeing that, that call of God leading us to reach out to the needs within our City. I'm so thankful for our service teams, for PJ who leads our worship and tech teams and everybody who serves in this space. Our welcome team for Sally who leads that team and, and many others who play their part in creating a space where we can encounter the power and the love of Jesus. Ordinary people playing their part, being filled with the Spirit and seeing extraordinary things happen. God is building His church here in this place we planted this church seven months before a pandemic, but God has continued to grow his church. God is using ordinary people, and it's not just serving the church. I want you to understand this. Each one of you, in your universities, in your workplaces, God is calling you. He's wanting to gift you and anoint you, to give you the words, to give you the love, to make a difference in your workplace in your place of study, in your families, wherever you go. Every one of us is invited to fulfill the call of Jesus. No matter how doubtful we may be, insecure and scared we might be, filled with the Holy Spirit, we can do extraordinary things. Everybody has a role to play in the kingdom of God. You know, times have changed. You know, when the doors to that little hall opened in 1928, you know, the media, the newspaper just celebrated it. We just read it before. Hooray, there's a new church being opened. You know, when I, I read the newspapers today, I kind of don't get that vibe about the church. You know, times have changed. Times have changed since Edwin Keith rode his bike down Logan Road to plant a church. A lot has changed in 2,000 years since Jesus stood on a mountain and sent out 11 scared guys to go and change the world. A lot has changed. But things, there are things that remain the same. Jesus still calls ordinary people to do extraordinary things. God is looking for people like you and me who are willing to serve. You know, Jesus still empowers his followers with the Holy Spirit. Do you believe that the Holy Spirit is real today? God is wanting to fill you. He's wanting to use you. He's wanting to put fire in those dreams and those visions, those yearnings that you have in your heart. God is still looking. He's wanting to fill us with his spirit. And Jesus still has authority on heaven and on earth. 
Jesus is still King. He is still Lord. No matter how we feel when we look out in the world today, Jesus still reigns and Jesus is still one day returning. He is coming back. And we as a church are here. We are called to shine a light and to serve our city so that more people can encounter the love, the grace, the goodness of Jesus Christ. There are so many people in our city There are so many people in our world that do not know the goodness and the grace and the love of Jesus. We live in a city in a time where there is so much anxiety. There is so much brokenness. There are so many people who are walking and they're heading straight towards a Christless eternity. And in their their brokenness, they cannot see. They need to hear the good news of Jesus. We are here in the city of Brisbane called to shine a light and to reveal the goodness of Jesus to anyone and everyone who will listen. That is why we're here. I wanna encourage us, let's not take a step back. I reckon the pandemic has given a whole bunch of excuses for why we shouldn't. I wanna encourage us and speak hope and life and vitality afresh into our hearts again that this is not a time to step back. It's a time to step in. It's a time to reveal the goodness and the grace of God to a generation that desperately, desperately, desperately needs to hear it. Can I hear an amen? God wants to fill us. He wants to use us. Are we willing to say yes? You know, we're being invited to step into a new season as a church. As we step into this new space, God is calling us to step up. You know, as we read through the Bible, as we read through the history of the Bible, we see that God sets apart people. He consecrates his people when they step into a new thing and when he's about to do something powerful, something miraculous. And I believe that God is wanting to set apart us, to set us apart for a new move of God. We see it throughout history. We see it through God's people. If we go back to the Exodus, we see Joshua leading the people out of the wilderness and towards the promised land. They're standing on the banks of the Jordan. And God says to Joshua and he says, to the people of Israel before they cross the Jordan and towards the promised land. He says in Joshua chapter three, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow, the Lord will do amazing things amongst you. Consecrate yourselves. And so they go and they wash themselves in the river. They clean their clothes and they wash their bodies. It's a symbolic step of consecration, cleaning themselves, washing away the wilderness as they walk into the promised land. Now we don't have a pool here tonight. We're not going to be going to South Bank after the service to go and consecrate ourselves. Once they cross the Jordan River, we see it before they, they take on and they attack Jericho. God commands Joshua to take the men and to circumcise them. They get flints and, and they make them into knives and they, they circumcise themselves. It's this, this consecration moment, this setting apart moment before they attack Jericho. You'll be glad to know that we will not be having a circumcision ceremony tonight. There's a moment of being set apart. We read the story of King David, a young man, shepherd boy, loved jamming on the guitar in his spare time and writing songs. God had grabbed his heart 
The prophet Samuel comes by looking to anoint the next king and they, he goes through all of David's brother and brothers and then finally they get to David and Samuel anoints David the next king of Israel. He is set apart. He is consecrated. He is anointed for the task ahead for the new move. And then we fast forward and we, we read, as I've kind of alluded to, we see that Jesus says to his disciples, wait in Jerusalem because I'm going to anoint you with the power of the Spirit. And so they gather together. They're scared. They're in the upper room. And as they are there, the Spirit of God falls upon them, anoints them. They're filled with the Holy Spirit. Something powerful happens in their midst. They receive the power of God. And Peter gets up and preaches this amazing message. And 3,000 people come to faith that day. And from that point on, the church explodes, goes out and changes the course of history forever all through the anointing and the empowering of the Spirit in that moment. And we see the church grow. We continue to read in Acts, Acts chapter 6, that as the church grows, they recognise that there are needs. There's the widows, the orphans, the poor that need to be cared for, and they, they need some people to help with that. So they get seven men, and they anoint them, and they say, hey, we are setting you aside in order to distribute goods to those who are in need, the widows, the orphans, and the poor, they lay hands on them. They set them apart for the task that God is calling them to. And then we see in Acts chapter 13, there's, there's two, two people who have the call of God on their life to go and plant churches throughout the Roman Empire. We read in Acts chapter 13, verse 2 and 3. God says this to the church, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul, whose name would be changed to Paul, for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed hands on them and sent them off. And off they went, and they went planting church after church after church throughout the Roman Empire. See, God sets apart those He calls into new things. He sets people apart when He wants to place their power on them. You know, as we step into a new season as a church, I believe that God is wanting to set us apart, to call us afresh, to, to invite us into something new, but also to fill us with His power so that we may see God do things that we cannot even imagine. Reverend Edwin Keith, when he started that little Sunday school, I'm sure had no idea of what would be happening right here tonight. No idea. You have no idea what God has in store if you say yes to Him. So what I'd love for us to do as we begin and we step out in this new year, both personally and also corporately, as we fix our eyes and we set this vision 100 ahead of us, we want to set ourselves apart. We want to consecrate ourselves. And so what we're going to do is, is we're actually going to anoint you if you're willing to do that. And let me just talk it through because I know that we're in times of COVID. We've thought this through. So we've got oil here that we'd love to anoint you with. What we'd love for you to do is uh, line up. We're going to have, I'm going to have Jono and Hannah and myself down the front here. Just as the band play behind and sing over us, we'd just love to pray for you. And what we're going to do is we're just going to spray you with some oil and invite you. This is something that's uh, ancient, uh, you know, ancient throughout the church. Just cross, cross yourself, the sign of the cross, the sign of Christ. You do that yourself so we don't touch you. 
And then we'd love to pray for you. Pray a blessing over you. Set you apart, consecrate you for the year, for this season ahead. I believe that as this happens, that, that God will speak to you. There's something, there is something profound about it. And throughout our services across all our campuses this morning, God was doing some wonderful things. And I know that He's going to do some wonderful things tonight. So I wonder, can you stand just where you're at? And uh, I just invite Jono and Hannah just going to stand down the front here. And when you're ready, and I'm going to be here in the middle so we can move um, things through, people through. And, uh, and, and just come and we're just going to pray for you and anoint you and, uh, and bless you. There's no pressure. You don't have to, but we'd love to pray for you and bless you uh, tonight. So when you're ready, come. We're going to worship and we'd love to pray for you. We hope you've been blessed by this message. We are a growing family and we'd love to see you at one of our Sunday services because everyone who comes through our doors is welcome. You can find out more about our community and locations at gatewaybaptist.com.au.